Before we begin, I have a quick announcement. Every once in a while, we have an opening on our incredible team for some new talent. Right now, we are in need of a new sound engineer to help edit and smooth our podcast audio. No real requirements, although it sure would help if you had some experience. This is unpaid, of course, but we love meeting new people and mentoring them up in the ultrasound world. If interested, just shoot me an email, mike at ultrasoundgel.org. Now, on to the show. Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Ultrasound Gel Podcast. All right, welcome to Bonus Cuts. We have another author here, Rob Farrow, to talk about an interesting article that we reviewed. Ultrasound Guided Trigger Point Injections for the Treatment of Neck and Back Pain in the Emergency Department, a Randomized Trial. So Rob is the Fellowship Director for Mount Sinai Medical Center in Miami. He is a regular contributor to Core Ultrasound and 5 Minute Sono, which is a big friend of the show. Great podcast if you're not listening to. Please get on there, listen, learn about ultrasound. So we're going to get into some questions that we had about the article and try to give you the background, how to do a great study like the one we're seeing here. Yeah, Rob, it's great to have you on the show. We love to talk about articles, but even more so, we like to get the behind the scenes, talk to the real people who are doing this hard-earned research. So really a pleasure to have you today. No, thank you both for having me. Um, it's it's awesome to be able to represent our team and discuss the paper with you. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. The study that we already reviewed is randomized trial. You looked at 196 ED patients with myofascial pain syndrome in the neck and back. And you did a really nice job of kind of defining the patient population. And the kind of main takeaways that we found from the study was that there was really no significant difference in improvement in pain at time of discharge between the groups. It seemed like the trigger point injections maybe had a better pain scores early on, but at discharge, they were pretty similar. And so that was kind of our, our main takeaway. We had some you know questions for you related to the study and, and how, how you kind of came up with it and, and some questions about what we can kind of take away further from the study. Yeah, and I don't want to skate over the novelty of this paper. That was one of the things that really attracted us and and made us want to choose it to review because I had never even thought of this idea of using ultrasound to guide trigger point injections. And I'm a big fan of trigger point injections. I'm a fan of ultrasound. I'm a fan of trigger point injections, but I never had the idea to put them together. So yeah, tell us a little bit about where this idea came from. Yeah, so you know, as we all know, back pain is a common presenting complaint to the emergency department, especially in light of the opiate epidemic. Uh, we've really been looking at different ways to manage musculoskeletal pain that's coming into the ER. Um, I'm a DO by training, and we have uh, multiple DOs that are uh, part of our group here. So we were all pretty familiar with trigger point injections, but something we've always uh, kind of discussed among ourselves is the idea of hitting multiple muscle planes uh, within a, a physical spot that we've diagnosed as a trigger point. So that's kind of where the idea started. It was also an effort to minimize risk with injections and just extend, you know, skills we've all developed through the use of procedural ultrasound to hopefully improve the quality of our of our injections. Rob, it reminds me of this Bob Dylan song that's been stuck in my head recently. It's a deep cut, Mississippi. There's a quote that says, sky full of fire, pain pouring down, nothing you can sell me. I'll see you around. 
And if you're going to listen to it, I recommend the Fragments Bootleg Version 1. In any case, I think it just goes to show, pain's been around a long time. There's a million different ways that you can treat it. And people are, you know, skeptical of things that doctors are trying to sell them. So whether it be you're just trying to give them Tylenol or an injection somewhere, sometimes that's that's tough to get the patient on board. No, absolutely. That's something that I I think that we all are aware of, uh, especially treating these patients in the in the ER. And, you know, the main medications that we, we tend to go to are anti-inflammatories and muscle relaxants. And a lot of times patients have already been trying this at home. This was another thing that kind of like spurred us to look into trigger points and if they're effective or as effective as common, uh, commonly used medications is we were looking for another treatment option uh, for these patients. Yeah, so it seems like, if, if I'm getting this correctly, the reason that you thought ultrasound would be helpful in these cases is you wanted to look into how you can inject into different muscle bodies, not just that one spot, and that would help you kind of guide into the different muscle bellies and kind of avoiding any any structures that could cause damage if you're injecting into them. So is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And then also just uh, knowing that your needle is actually in the muscle belly, you know, not in the fascial plane, not missing the target. So that was, yeah, that was the primary uh, purpose for doing that. Yeah, and that was actually something we brought up when we were recording the initial podcast. Where exactly was that injection taking place? In the plane, in the muscle belly? And you were able to um, very helpfully clarify for us that it was in the muscle belly. And now you mentioned that there was actually an editorial response to your paper. Um, what were some of the things they brought up about that in regard to where this injection is taking place? Yeah, it was an editorial response by uh, Dr. Risi and all. It's a great uh, editorial response if you get a chance to look at it. They made some very strong arguments to suggest that we should potentially be injecting into the muscle and then also the fascial planes based on the anatomic distribution of the nerves um, as they penetrate into the muscle planes. So uh, yeah, I think that would be actually a, a nice way to, to modify this technique and get better pain relief. Yeah, that seemed like it made sense to me to have those fascial planes as well. You know, you, you think about kind of how we do nerve blocks in general, and nerve blocks are generally, a lot of them are, are plane blocks, right? You're getting under that fascial plane, raising it up, and, and maybe you're hitting more nerves that way. Yeah, and I think that was their argument, is that you're releasing the cutaneous branches of the of the nerve roots as they penetrate through the fascial planes. So let's just walk through what that would look like in real time, because we didn't get too much into the weeds in how you actually perform this. But taking my linear probe, I first am finding the tender spot by my actual physical exam, trying to locate one of those areas that I think would be a good spot to inject. Then I'm taking my linear probe, doing an in-plane injection with a needle, First, I'm going to go into the muscle belly right under that spot so I can see the local anesthetic actually blowing up the muscle. Now we're saying we can modify that potentially and also then go in the plane so you'd see that local anesthetic kind of unzipping that muscle plane. Does that sound about right? Is that how you would do it, Rob? Yeah, and I think if I was going to modify and uh, take the suggestion from the editorial, I think what I would do if I'm hitting all the muscles in that, that assigned physical exam point of the trigger point um, I'd probably start with the deepest muscle belly. I would take it in plane into the into that muscle belly, 
inject and then on my way out i would hit the fascia plane and then the next muscle layer as i as i withdraw the needle and our preferred technique is definitely doing in plane um, i think this allows you not only to better visualize needle placement but also you know you, you have better reassurance that you aren't hitting any unintended structures as you as you approach is there any specific structures that you try to avoid obviously you know we kind of know the big ones but in in these injections was there anything that you said to yourself like your, or you said to your residents when you were teaching them, these are the, the main structures to avoid in, in these uh, blocks. Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, the cervical regions is the only area where you may um, end up having any nearby vascular structures. I think in the thorax, I guess, depending on the physical examination, the patient's body habitus. If you're too lateral, I guess there's a theoretical risk of penetrating past the pleura. Shouldn't happen, but, you know, it is possible. Really more so, I think it was about making sure that the needle placement was in the muscle belly and that we were getting the correct injections that we wanted. Yeah, it's always good to uh, make sure you're not aspirating a ton of air before you inject, I think, <laughs> yeah. when you're when you're getting close to the lung. Right, yeah. I think there was actually a uh, an article a few years ago where like a sports medicine physician caused a pneumothorax on an NFL player. Uh, I think they were doing more of like for uh, rib pain, so I don't know if it was like an intercostal injection, but... Um, I think anytime you can add a, a degree of safety, you know, minimal change in your technique, I think that it's only a, only a positive. Yeah, that brings up a good point, Rob, because one thing that we were thinking when we were reviewing this is it would have been really cool to compare ultrasound guided trigger points to landmark based trigger points. Your study did really nice comparing ultrasound guided trigger points to traditional oral analgesia. But what about comparing the ultrasound guidance aspect specifically? Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's something we actually thought about after the study had already initiated. That's something that we're interested in. I think it'd be great if a group wants to look at that. Another thing that we, we're curious about, one thing that made the results a little hard to interpret was the amount of crossover. Zach mentioned in the intro that yes, the trigger point group had superior pain control early on, but the primary endpoint was pain at discharge and there was not as much difference at discharge. And from what I remember in the group that initially went to trigger points about you know almost half of them ended up getting medications afterwards and the group that went to medications first, I think uh, 80% of those ended up getting trigger point injections. And the reason that made me really question that was because then that group would have gotten the trigger point closer to their discharge. Could that have affected their pain control? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, the crossover was kind of unintended, to be honest. It was more of a like a safety measure, I guess. I mean, that was also part of getting patients to uh, want to enroll in the study. It was more so to guarantee that, you know, regardless, they would be getting their pain managed. And uh, that was kind of the nature of where that came from. But in an unintended consequence of that, uh, it ended up almost being a crossover study uh, just by nature of if someone's already received, you know, muscle relaxant, anti-inflammatories, people tended to, you know, want to try a trigger point injection. So that was something that we should have controlled better, definitely, or maybe just made it a true crossover study and then looked at the timing that we were looking at. Uh, the reason we chose that as a primary endpoint is just because clinically, uh, that's kind of where we, we saw this, not as a superiority, but more as like a non-inferiority approach that both of these kind of get you to the same place. You know, clinically, from our opinion, we believe that Trigger points have some um, added benefits when you, you know, take into account you know, negative consequences of anti-inflammatories and muscle relaxants in some patient populations. So you know, I think that's the added advantage and just speed of onset. We kind of 
felt likely trigger points would be more effective, shorter time frame. Uh, but it was really kind of designed to be more of a non-inferiority approach with our study. But there's definitely some things we could have controlled better uh, that would have highlighted that more, I think. No, we're not criticizing. I think this was a really well done study. I mean, we were so impressed. I, I don't think I've ever seen like a musculoskeletal pain, randomized, controlled ultrasound study before. You know, this is kind of one of a kind. So fantastic work. Thank you. No, it was uh, definitely a group effort, and uh, a lot of time went into it. But uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting th- study, we thought, and it kind of highlighted what we were we were hoping to highlight. I think that uh, this is a good treatment option that we can consider in the ER. And Rob, you must have done a bunch of these for the sake of the study, or before or after. Anecdotally, how do the patients seem to respond to this idea? Um, actually, surprisingly, patients actually elect to have this most of the time. You know, once we started doing this, we actually would have patients that would come back and ask specifically for this when they would come in. I mean, you know, this works best when it's a patient that has like a muscle spasm, so like torticollis or, you know, acute muscle spasm. But yeah, it was interesting to see that where, you know, we introduce a, a, you know, not a new, but for maybe on the volume of what we were doing, a new treatment in our emergency department. And then we started having patient requests for that, that treatment, which was kind of nice to see. Rob, can you tell us a little bit more about the training that you went through for your providers? Was the training for residents and attendings? What kind of equipment did you use? Yeah, absolutely. So we we did a fairly extensive training. Uh, we we trained the attendings and also the residents. Primarily with the residents, uh, we had maybe more resources that we were letting them know about uh, that they would access. We had a sixty minute session where we had PowerPoint lectures kind of walking through, you know, what is a trigger point, walking through the, the aseptic technique that we were recommending, you know, which probes to use, which we, we'd always use a high-frequency linear probe, and then just walking through the different muscle skeletal structures that they could expect to see when they were actually doing a trigger point injection. Namely, just being able to identify bone on ultrasound, identify muscle on ultrasound, and understand the fascial planes. You know, we also walked through how to use Doppler if you're concerned about a possible neurovascular structure. But yeah, for the most part, it was it was just walking through the science anatomy applications and then walking through the technique. Something that we did that I think was also useful is uh, we had a residency website and uh, we actually put the training videos up on the website for them to go back and review if they needed to. A little just-in-time teaching. I also like that it's almost like a little bit of a gateway drug to a nerve box. Yeah, and honestly, that's exactly what happened in our department. Now we do a lot of regional anesthesia, but this was kind of the first application that we introduced. Yeah, as an attending watching a, a learner perform their first nerve block, it's a little bit different than if you're doing like a supraclavicular block, just watching that subclavian artery pulsing towards the needle. Here in the back, it seems like it's a wide open field. You know, you feel a little more comfortable letting them try it out a little bit. So I like that idea too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like we said, there is a safety component, I think, but overall it's more needle placement. There's not really a lot that you can do that would be harmful. Honestly, we're using like 27 and 25 gauge needles for most of these procedures. So I think that even for patient comfort, this is a nice kind of introductory needle guided approach to pain management that really, I think people start to buy into and then become more interested in other modalities for pain management in the ER with ultrasound needle guidance. Well, Rob, we really appreciate your time. Let's wrap it up with one final question. What is your current practice with regard to myofascial musculoskeletal pain in the ED? Are you doing these blocks all the time? How are you choosing who to do it on? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think like anything, it's always multimodal approach to pain management. So, you know, I wouldn't say this is like the only thing that we do, but I, I think this is definitely something that we offer up front. You know, we ask, uh, if they, you know, would you prefer a trigger point injection? Would you prefer anti-inflammatories and a muscle relaxant? And also it depends on what they've been trying at home. I think if they've been taking anti-inflammatories and muscle relaxants prior to arrival, I think a trigger point makes a lot of sense as long as the exam is consistent with that. And then also taking into account uh, different factors, especially if you have an elderly, maybe someone with chronic kidney disease that you don't want to be put on an anti-inflammatory. You know, I think these kind of injections make a lot of sense. And really the whole idea is to break that pain cycle to get the muscle to relax. And a lot of times per the literature, the pain uh, will be decreased even after that initial injection. That's probably something that I wish we would have done and that would be interested in a follow-up study is looking at, you know, follow-up with these patients maybe a day or two out to see if they're getting improvement. I know there's been some studies with uh, PM&R where they suggest that you get, you know, better range of motion and that there's been improvement um, after these kind of injections. But from the ER side, I think it'd be interesting to look at that too. Well, Rob, you are truly the epitome of a scholar and a gentleman. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show. And thanks to the audience. Well, I should first thank all of Rob's co-authors and everyone else on his team that helped put this project together. We know Rob's just here representing that team today. So we appreciate all of his wisdom and further insights into this. It's been really illuminating. And thank you, audience member, for sticking with us for another podcast. Remember, you can always find out more at ultrasoundgel.org. And until next time, we will see you later. And as Bob Dylan says in that song, Mississippi, you can always come back, but you can't come back all the way. <laughs>